everybody. Welcome to Build Brunch, the daily morning show where we talk about the latest topics in pop culture. I'm Brittany Jones Cooper. I'm Shannon Coffey. I'm Allie Colbert. And I'm Lucas Tim. Hi, hey. Today we're going to talk about an avocado sham that will guac your world and why All Hallows Eve may no longer stay true to its name anymore. Plus, author Zach Friedman joins the table to discuss his new book, The Lemonade Life. But first... The internet is buzzing about that awkward kiss Lena Dunham gave Brad Pitt at the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood premiere. In fact, some Twitter users are pointing out the double standards of consent and speculating what the reactions would be if the roles were reversed. Oh, man, this is awkward. I mean, Lena Dunham does it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just when you think she can't be worse, <laughs> she does it. I wish we had a, like a video of this moment. I tried to look for it and I couldn't find it. There's, I only found more photos. Because um, I wonder if it actually is as awkward as the photos make it right. seem. Right. Because I feel like as someone who also like has this kind of look, like whenever you're like <laughs> gonna kiss somebody, it looks like oh, it's creepy. But maybe it was less yeah. creepy. She just doesn't have a jawline, you know, right. like like me. And it, it could she'd be going for a double kiss. She, yeah. She, you, totally. You are, don't know. There are answers that I that I need. There's a thing, because it was yeah. like half cheek and half of his mouth. Like, right. it wasn't like she was coming straight on. <laughs> Sorry, it looks like you're in lip gloss again. I got my lips. his lips were just like shining. <laughs> when I got my lips popping. <laughs> and it looks like, I was thinking that you're going to about you to take say a lips popping mug and just going to go, whing. I'm wearing my lip gloss. My lip glasses. I'll be loving it. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Okay, but anyway. She was clearly psyched about meeting Brad Pitt because uh, she even tweeted photos of them from set being like, it's not every day that I get to flirt with Brad Pitt. So it doesn't, the optics aren't great for her. But um, and just in general, ask permission before you kiss someone. I agree. And also just say Brad Pitt is a beautiful, beautiful man. So yeah. he, uh, I understand her desire to yeah. kiss him on the cheek. Or lips. I, I get it. I, I get think it. he. Is, I. Yeah, this photograph stuff is so hard because it looks like he's Into not it. not consenting. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he said yes, girl, let's do this. But it looks like he's like yes. My co-star's leaning in for an innocent kiss. I'll go with it. I feel like when someone's leaning in to me and I don't want it, I'm, I'm way yeah. more like. Yeah, there's more of a reaction. Know, there's more, <laughs> and he's kind of like he's like leaning in. He's like returning it, unless that hand that she it has over his shoulders is pulling, pulling him in. Right. That's the thing. It looks like they're friendly. They shot this movie together. Yeah. I don't think he felt any type of way about it. I think she's just so awkward that it came off yeah. not swaggy. It just came off clumsy. Right. And that's what made people it, uncomfortable. It honestly seems like he doesn't care. <laughs> I don't think he cares. Like, yeah. either way. All he cares about is being taller. Look at the lift on those shoes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look at what the heels, girl. How tall is Brad Pitt? Why does he need Isn't elevator he like shoes? he 6'1", so that probably makes him, like, 6'3". Yeah, I'm like, he's totally cheating. Tom Cruise wears those, but he Wait. needs to. Uh. Is there any way he's actually 6'1", <laughs> and still looks that high? Like, no, I feel like the, there's no way he's 6'1". Really? Really? I don't know. How tall is he? Anyone? Anybody get I would, I would give him 5'11". I think 5'11". Yeah, I'd yeah, give him 5'11". Us. Come on, Courtney. Wow, Where when, are when you? we need someone to go on their phone, Courtney's phone, they're just not. standing Please there. Check her. Courtney's like, no, fuck this. Five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Five eleven. Wow, confirmed. I knew he wasn't a six one. So maybe six one with those shoes. But I think he's wearing those for style. I think Brad Pitt is yeah, really no, good I'm style. Just with them. Yeah, no, I'm just them. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. I would try to kiss them too. But there, I mean, what do you guys? That the conversation about consent happened in double standards. Like think? if it was Should a man. Well, like have a man. If a man was doing it to her. Like, would we feel any differently, that whole conversation? Well, if this photo was reversed and he was leaning in and doing that to her, 
we would be like, she's so lucky. Right. So I think it's like less of a man or woman thing or non-binary, like whatever gender you are. And I think it's more about like attractiveness. Like if someone mm-hmm, is sure. doing something and they're not like stereotypically attractive, we're like, ew, gross, kill yourself. <laughs> and if they're hot, they're, we're like, lucky, wow. <laughs> Brad Pitt just kicked Shannon in the stomach. Lucky. <laughs> so, really, I mean, yeah. that would be the best day of your life. Yeah, I mean, I would lucky. love it. Like, I, mean, I was thinking about that last night, Jacob Elordi. Like, yeah. I would let him wear spiky boots and just kick me in the stomach over and over again. And I'd be like, this is great! It's hot. <laughs> It'd be he, awesome. The thing about him, though, is he's so frightening that yeah. I think that would be traumatizing. You guys, I watched The Kissing Booth again this weekend. Why? I don't know why. I just keep making new people watch it. And Jacob Elordi's still so angry in that movie. Yeah. He is. And it's like, I don't know. There's something there. Huh. He's scary. Are you guys going to see um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Of course. Yeah. I've heard mostly good things. I've heard good things. I've heard it's long. Very Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. But I've heard it's long, too. My dad loved the cars in it. Cool. Oh. Good cars. That's yeah, a, good, like good cars. cars. Guys, I heard this movie is long with cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the official Bill Brunch review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Go see it. Restaurants are now turning to fake guac after a surge in avocado prices. The high demand and low supply has caused California restaurants to substitute the fruit with Mexican zucchini-like squashes known as calabacitas for the tasty treat. This is mind-boggling. Has anybody heard of calabacitas? No. Because yes. apparently they said like a lot of street vendors who make guacamole use calabacitas instead. So but, clearly we are already eating it and we don't know the difference. No, wait, no. wait a second. This guacamole, this guacamole is apparently thinner and more watery. No, I don't think we're oh. eating it and not knowing. Yeah, I think we would know if I was eating watery guacamole. I unfortunately get watery guac. Oh, a I was lot gonna of places. Say, yeah. Like oh. a lot of places I'll get guac and I'll be like, you're not charging me for this. Maybe this it's just bad. the bad guac. Maybe it's just bad guac. Yeah, yeah I feel like yeah. if you know how to make it, it probably you can dictate the consistency of it. You know what I mean? That sounds it right. so nasty it's to me. <laughs> watery guacamole, like on a chip, and your chip's just watery and you're just Oh, God. Yeah. But really I get it. Avocado prices are going up. And though I will say, when I lived in California, compared to New York, they were never as much as like the surge here is. Oh, like no. I, when I used to eat at Chipotle, I've not eaten there in a long time. But the extra avocado in California yeah. was like a dollar or something extra. While here, it's like $10 and your social security number to get yeah. the extra guac. Yeah, I really do think that we have like a really huge produce problem in New York. Mm-hmm. Like, there's barely any fruit or vegetables here. If you do find them, even if they're organic, they're all fucking, like, already rotted mm-hmm. in the store. And I'm like, I don't know about pay for this. And then if you find one that's actually good and you take it home, it still gets spoiled on the walk home. They literally, they die in a day. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like, I don't know. I feel like the vibes are bad or we're just getting, like, the leftovers, like, the stuff that Puerto Ricans didn't want in the island. They were like, send it back to New York. <laughs> I'm with you. Maybe it's just, like, all the bad energy in the city because yeah. I just started eating fruit. Because <laughs> I didn't actually buy produce for a long time, but now I have to because of like diet stuff. And the fruit dies in two days. I know. Yes. It's like, a lot and of I'm pressure. like, what the hell? I can't eat a whole thing of strawberries in two days. I yeah. freeze my bananas. I have to literally, I one day I is. cut them up and put them in the freezer and they'll Me last too, longer. For yeah, for smooth. Oh my god. Yeah. Let me say something about guac. Really good guac is amazing. Really bad guac. Is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's something. It's not like pizza. No. You know, like, the worst guac is so bad. It's just bland. Ugh, but bad, when pizza's really bad, like, when you, have you ever had a slice of pizza where you're like, I might never eat pizza again? No. I, I have. No. I there won't. was this pizza truck outside of my high school, and they would just, like, have, like, it was just, I don't even know if it was pizza, you guys. Like, it was in the pizza shape, and it, like, kind of looked like it could be pizza, but it was, like, a plastic bottom with, like, 
paper cheese, and then mm -hmm. like probably which is just like I don't know like like water that was had like red <laughs> yeah. blood. And then it was traumatizing because it tasted really bad. And there was a woman outside who had like scabs all over her arms who we called pizza arms. And she, oh like you'd be eating the pizza outside of the high school looking at pizza arms being like, give me money. And you'd be like, oh no. Oh. Never ending amount of stories. That, that story made me never want to eat pizza. Yeah. <laughs> By far the scariest one you've ever told, and we've heard some horrifying ones. Yeah, wow. I didn't even go into the scary details, which is the reasons why she had that is because she was a heroin addict and she oh, was Jesus. too impatient, so she would shoot it into like just the like meaty right. parts of her skin, so her flesh was rotting. So it was like scabs, blood, and pus, which is what gave it the pizza look. And so when your parents or like your bus driver would drop you off at school, mm -hmm. she would like jam it against the window and be like, "Give me money!" <laughs> and like smush it so some people would be like oh well I don't want her to smush it on right. the window I'll just like put my window down but then she'd put it in and like put it against your face right. so and you were just like I have to bring like three dollars for pizza what? arms every day so she doesn't put right. that she is now the governor of Puerto Rico <laughs> yeah yes. she is, she is now. such yeah. a survivor Shannon. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know how I made it out you gotta write the book the book <laughs> of this childhood stories from Shannon this is not a children's book like yeah. it's just like literally it's just like the most horrifying Stories from school and everything. There's so many things in that story that I'm gonna have nightmares about. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I think of it, remember it fondly for some reason, because in a weird way, like I grew up with her. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. She yeah. was there for years. Is she alive still? I don't probably I not. Doubt it. I don't think she was. She had a lot. Of Anybody who's jabbing heroin. You, you know what? She lived. Yeah. Pizza arms lived, she and did. I don't think we should judge her for it. She oh, lived, yeah. she lived a fun-filled life. No. And, and we, have a, we actually have a surprise yeah. for you. Bring it on! Give me my money, Shannon! Get heroin! Dude, that, that would be amazing to see her again, just to be like, what is up? We she, gotta like, find The her. last story I heard about her, I had already graduated, she held up one of the moms with a syringe of her own blood <laughs> and was like, you all better pay me. It was so wild. So, like, when, you know, when I get, like, a really bad bowl of watery guac and I'm about to be like, fuck this, I deserve better, I'm like, you know what, at least I, I made it out, yeah. you know? You're a hero. Well, you guys, a petition to change the date of Halloween to the last Saturday in October is picking up steam and now has over 137,000 signatures. Candy companies have pledged their support for the move, with Snickers promising to give away one million candy bars should the change go through. Um, initially, I was really opposed to this idea. I'm curious how it would benefit Candy come like is it just longer, uh, more like more time to like make sales for them? Is no, that, they would make it on the weekend. It's a Saturday. I, I actually weekend? think it would because if you think about it now, October thirty first. Halloween is always on a different day. Sometimes people don't really know when to celebrate it, right? Like if it's on a Tuesday, do you go the weekend before or the weekend after? I think if it was more focused in, more candy would be sold because people would be more prepared. Because now some people don't even participate because they're like, oh, I don't know what day. I'm oh not going to get okay. candy. No, no, no. That is the, that sure. is, that's, I'm just uh, trying to think like bakers. Okay. I love you so much, but that is such a fabricated, like, Problem. I'm not saying I'm not saying I believe that. By the way, I'm think of why Snickers would be giving out. There has to be a capitalist reason. The argument. Well, the argument that they're saying the moral reason is for working parents and to keep children safe. Yeah. I want to expose something. The people behind this petition is the Halloween Costume Association. Some bureaucracy trying to influence us. And Snickers putting their money. We already have enough money in politics. Not letting money destroy Halloween. This is more than just about money and Snickers. 
Avengers and some Halloween Corporation. Is it though? Yes, it is. Is Halloween about more than just it is an ancient Celtic holiday to celebrate the harvest? And then when Pope Gregory the Third made All Saints Day November first, became Halloween. And you just googled that. Nobody knows that. But it's 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 Halloween. The thirty first. People want to buy costumes and eat candy. Why would you narrow down the amount of time to celebrate when you have a whole week to celebrate? You're literally choosing one day to. And meanwhile, when during the week you have school, it's a little bit shorter that day. You can trick or treat that night. School shorter? A little bit sometimes. Most kids can't even dress up for Halloween at school anymore. Why not? Because it's people see it as like an anti-Christ movement. So a lot of people. Okay, well that he's losing this battle. He's gonna candy in schools anymore because kids have every allergy. So kids really get to celebrate Halloween when they go trick or treating on the weekend. We should let kids wear costumes every single day to school because literally they're going there just to get shot. So like they should wear their favorite little outfits. Honestly, like this country is so warped. Can they really not wear their costumes? Yes, that is a thing in some schools. In some schools. Okay, but but Halloween. There's certain holidays. Part of significance is the day. October 31st is a big part of the identity of Halloween. The yeah. end of October. I know. The 34th. That I cannot do. Like yeah. That, yeah. Like, Literally, the, yeah. that date specifically is when they believe that the veil between yes. our world and the spiritual world was thinnest. So that's why they would dress up to like, so they would be safe with all mm-hmm. the ghosts. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, if you want to take the risk and not celebrate on 31st, that's fine. That's your choice. Your crops are going to be ruined. And, okay? and <laughs> like, the ghosts are going to come and like, just like rot all your Right. Locusts the piggy- or horsemen. Right, the piggyback off Shannon. Yeah. The ghosts are still going to come out on that day. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? We're just going back our normal day and the ghost just like, I'm here and no one's having fun. What the fuck? I just came back from the dead for this. And that's not funny. Think about either. Dia de las Muertas. We would never change that. Yeah. That's fair. That's that, the conversation, though. Yeah. American Horror Story, remember Halloween's Day of the Ghost. Think about birthday. Exactly. <laughs> not going to change Ellie's birthday, are we? I just Think feel like Christmas. this is... Would you be upset if they changed Christmas? No, but that has a very deep-seated religious reason. So does Halloween? No, it doesn't. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, makes, what makes it more powerful than Halloween? Just because Christianity is a dominant religion? So Fuck Jesus. That. So Jesus? Halloween's 2,000 years old. So Why? Jesus yeah. is more important than candy? Not to me. I just, it feels like a non, it feels like a real non-issue. Like, I don't think anybody out there is like, man, Halloween's on a Tuesday. I don't know when I'm going to celebrate this past Saturday or the Saturday coming up. Oh, is man, I'm just issue. not going to celebrate. Wait. Nobody is doing that. Honestly, like, this has happened for years since I've been alive. And when it falls on a weekday, what we do is we party. Like, then your friends don't have to all fight for that one Saturday. Mm. Then your friends can be like, bitch, I'm taking Tuesday, I'm taking Saturday, I'm taking yes. Sunday. And then you have Halloween month. And that's right. what October is. The whole month is about, like, praising Satan, loving demons, having sex with spirits, mm-hmm. eating candy, getting diabetes, <laughs> saying, I love corporate America! <laughs> and then dressing up in your little costumes because this might be your last time I know. on Earth. Yeah, and local communities <laughs> can establish days that you yeah. can take kids trick-or-treating, so more communication, there can be new traditions made around it. If we all just subscribe to what the billionaire class want, then wh- what are we anymore? Or Who we are we? Or just make it the last Saturday of the month and everybody knows that that's when you trick-or-treat and then no, everybody... No, that sounds like know. Easter Sunday. Yeah, no, no, people don't know. If Halloween falls on a know? Wednesday, people are like, do I celebrate the weekend before or the weekend after? Have you been if that's your problem in life, if you're sitting there and be like, <laughs> oh man, I don't know what day to celebrate <laughs> Halloween, we not, like congratulations you are the most privileged yes. person to walk on this right. planet Earth. Mm-hmm. We don't have kids. I'm I would like saying. to see your tax return see if you were I, bought by Snickers and they're colluding. Yeah, I don't know. Snickers if you uh, want to sponsor me my phone I, number is This is some yeah. campaign finance bullshit right yeah. here. Usually people celebrate the weekend before. Do they? Yeah, because you don't celebrate after. It's over. 
Okay. I celebrate all October, man. Yeah. yeah I, have, just, I have tons of babies. No, you, you don't celebrate November 1st. You celebrate October 31st. That makes it easy. It's the you last day. But then if you were somebody <laughs> handing out candy, then do you, you hand me. out candy on a Tuesday that's <laughs> Halloween, or do you only hand it out on a Saturday? What if trick-or-treaters come to your house on Tuesday, but you're like, no, you're not used Guess to celebrate what? the weekend Have before. some candy available. Is that so yeah. hard? Have some have a bowl of candy waiting outside the door I'm on Halloween saying, and the, and the, the, the trick or treat. I'm just saying I think Halloween would be more fun for trick or treaters if they all knew that every house they more houses would be participating on the day that they're trick or treat. I think every house participates. I don't. I think yeah. A I, lot of houses participate. Like, I don't think we need more participation. Right. <laughs> growing up, yeah. we need less participation. I never had this problem growing up when it was on a weekday, weekend, yeah. always Halloween, always with trick or treat, always wearing a wizard's He's costume. He's like Papa always put out candy in the house. Just walked up to a bowl of. Yeah, and I had this problem when I walked out of May. Butler, Butler yeah. would wake me up and dress me in my costume. All the and have neighbors my... gave me lobster <laughs> in my basket, and I loved it, Mummy. I loved it. Mummy was so generous. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, now it's time for some candid coffee. <laughs> Each week, we will answer a question that comes from you, our viewers. The question can be about anything. So if you want us to answer something, tweet us at Build Brunch. Now let's get candid. Here's the question of the week. Twitter user Philip Louie one Hey, Philip. Woo! Ask, if you were a dish drink on a brunch menu, what would you be? Ooh. Um. I don't know. Yum, I, yum, yum. So I went to Grey Dog yesterday. Oh, what'd you get? I got the Grey Dog breakfast, which I think is what I would be. So it's like <laughs> eggs, home fries, bacon, and either French toast or pancakes. It's a lot, but it's hearty. It's sweet. Mm -hmm. It fills you up. Mm -hmm. I think that's me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah that's kind of a good. thoughtful yeah. response. Right? Wow, that's good. I think I would be, I had these really good um, s'mores pancakes once, and they were super fluffy and super moist. And they were like chocolate pancakes, and they had like marshmallow syrup on it that they would like put, like just like drizzle right in front of you, and they're like, do you want more? And you'd be like, more! And they'd be like, you want more? And it just like drench it as much as you want. And then it had like chocolate pieces on it, and I would do that, and obviously wow. like be a coffee with it. But, yeah. Wow. Or a devil's That sounds egg so too. Good. Really good. Really sweet. <laughs> what would you be? I would probably be chicken and waffles because you get that perfect brunch scenario where it's breakfast and lunch, mm. sweet and savory, <laughs> so every bite is an adventure. Wow. Sure. Okay, yeah. Yahoo Travel over here. <laughs> That's funny. Everybody's a Allie, what are you, a cigarette and a vodka? I think, <laughs> I think I'd be like, why is everyone laughing so hard at that? Your pizza arms. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be like a biscuit with, um, oh, like, a, a, like a, a biscuit. biscuit. Yes, a, a little strip Sorry, sorry. Can I just? I think I would, I no, think, we just want to. We just I think that would be a biscuit with like um jalapeno jelly. Ooh. Oh. Because like I'm a biscuit. Like you think you know me. You think you see me. But then I have that like spicy jelly and also biscuits. Like sometimes they're really good, but sometimes they like suck. Yeah. And you like are really disappointed. The biscuits are so bad, and like that's kind of how I am at brunch. Like sometimes I'm a lot of fun, or sometimes I'm just like. You wish I wasn't there. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Doesn't want to be also, there. Also, like how you say 
biscuit. Biscuit. <laughs> like biscuit. You know, I'm a biscuit. I'm a biscuit. You know. I'm a little biscuit. You're a little, <laughs> little. Like, what kind of texture are you? Are you crumbly? Are you like mm, a dry moist. ass, brick ass biscuit? No, no. Are you like moist and fluffy? I'm like super moist and fluffy and like, you like can like layers are buttery and like you can like pick off the layers almost. Yeah, she's got layers. You get your softer <laughs> side in the middle. Uh huh. And you could butter me. Oh yeah. Oh. Butter my muffin. Yeah. Butter my muffin. It's a biscuit. <laughs> Not a muffin. Damn. They're different breads. Shut up, chicken. <laughs> Shut up. I'm spicy are in every you, bite. We, what chicken and waffles are, are spicy green? in every bite? I didn't say spicy. She said an adventure. adventure. You can't get an adventure. Yeah, you said nice. you were going to spicy. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm being, I'm being a hard fish. Yeah. 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 You're being we a left you out too long. Right now, right now. You're being a scone. <laughs> it's dry and stuck to the roof of my mouth. Woo. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, Philip. Thanks, Philip. We Phillip. love you. We love you, Philip. We love Phillip. you, Philip. Our little mimosa. And now it's time for today's guest. Zach Friedman is the founder and chief executive officer of Make Lemonade, a leading personal finance company that empowers you to live a better financial life. In his groundbreaking new book, The Lemonade Life, he uncovers the secrets to living an extraordinary life, starting with five simple changes that can be made by anyone. Here to tell us more is Zach Friedman. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You guys are hilarious. Hey there. Thank you. Good to see you. Thank you so much. How's everybody? All right. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Before we get started about the book, we heard that you have an incredible backstory. So would you share that with us? Sure. Uh, I'm the CEO of a company called Make Lemonade, uh, which is a personal finance company, and it helps people live their best financial life. So, as I heard earlier, don't get tricked by fake guacamole. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most important lesson you can learn in life. Yeah, um, yeah and so I, I've been doing that and then uh, wrote this great book called The Lemonade Life, which I'm excited, coming out tomorrow. So please check out a copy. It's a book about happiness. Who doesn't love happiness? Yeah, oh, man, we all want it. Not all of us have it. Yeah, some people die without it. <laughs> it could true. happen. So it talk happens. to us about the lemon life. What's the lemon life? So le lemon life is the life you don't want to lead, okay? It's the life where you're settling, you're not living your best life, you're, you're living a life that's subpar. And people who live the lemon life are basically chasing, pretending, they're basically fakers. And whatever you do, just don't li live the lemon life. Ugh, I hate That's fake people. Hate Me fake too. people. I don't even like lemons. So. Hate fake people. Yeah, no. No one likes lemons or fake people. Yeah. But love lemonade. Yeah. Love lemonade. And lemonade that gets so us to what is the lemonade <laughs> life? So, yes. So the lemonade life, the lemonade life, uh, as you can imagine just by the title, sounds like you're drinking lemonade on a beach, relaxing. But it, lemon life, lemonade life is leading your life with purpose and possibility. And it's living it on your own terms. So it's you really set the course for your destiny and you're in full control. And purpose is your underlying reason why you do what you do. It's your life mission. And possibility is infinite opportunity. Mm. So when you have your life mission, the why you get up every morning, with endless possibility, you live the lemonade life. I love that. I usually tell people that we live in a world with limitless like possibilities. Absolutely. And then they laugh in my face and they're like, shut up, peasant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not laugh in your face. Ooh. You are absolutely right. Thank you. So, okay. Sounds, sounds like you have great friends, by the way. Yeah, I have, I'm surrounded by very bad people. Yeah, I'm exactly. sorry. sorry <laughs> Everywhere. I'm no, sorry about that, Shannon. I didn't mean to call you a peasant. Um, obviously, I'm living the lemon life right now. So <laughs> tell me, Seems like how it. do I get out of this hell and go to the lemonade life? Give me those pointers. Yes, absolutely. So, um, in 
in my book, I talk about five switches. They're just like light switches. And these are the behaviors, the habits that all great leaders have. So you can memorize them with a quick acronym, which is PRISM, P-R-I-S-M. Perspective, risk, independence, self-awareness, and motion. And if you can do those five things, and I go into detail in my book, The Lemonade Life, you can move from the lemon life to the lemonade life. Mm -hmm. And eat real guacamole. Prism. You you mentioned some leaders, and I know you've had some leaders and entrepreneurs use this method. So who are some of those people, or what impact has it had on their life? Yeah, so I had a great opportunity to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Um, Had the opportunity to go out to Omaha and spend some time with him and, and kind of listen to his wisdom. And one of the things that I learned was that you know, when you think about what drives success, you know, we think about hard work and skill and talent. And when I started listening to Warren Buffett, what I heard is that, you know, really it's about understanding yourself and having internal happiness. And that really drives a successful life. People think they should be successful and that leads to happiness. So we work for 30 years, we're 65 years old, we retire. Finally, we can spend time with our family, do the things we like, rest on the beach. But it's really the other way around. And we really need to start thinking about how we can get happier today and not really put it off for 30 or 35 years. So So many leaders are starting to think about that differently. And how can we have more happiness today in our companies, in our lives, finding better friends, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. Doing what you love, too. Warren Buffett truly loves what he does. And I think he does. why he's he absolutely been so successful. You're exactly right. Yeah. You know, he, he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. He didn't choose to build his investment empire in New York. Um, you know, he lives in the same house since 1958. Mm-hmm. He eats cheeseburgers and, and steaks and every Coke. day and yeah. Diet Coke <laughs> and root beer floats. So I'd say he's living a pretty good lemonade life. Yeah, he is. And uh, you also mentioned something called the chasm of Kant in your yes. book. What is that all about? So the chasm of Kant is where lemon lifers live, okay? The chasm of Kant is everyone in your life who has told you no. Anyone who didn't believe in you, anyone who said, you know, you can never move across the country, you can't go to that school, you'll never get that job. And so many people get stuck living in this chasm of can't. And they listen to these people. And when you listen to people who are constantly putting you down, you're never going to elevate, you're never going to find your destiny because you're kind of stuck in this chasm, in this, in this black hole. And so the whole book is really how do you escape that mm-hmm. and move from the lemon life to the lemonade life where you can lead your life with purpose and possibility. Yeah. And what are some of the best ways for people to set goals and hold themselves accountable? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about a great methodology, uh, another acronym, which is SNAP, S-N-A-P. So anytime you set goals, they need to be specific non-negotiable, actionable, and have purpose. Uh And so if you can do those four things, and I tell you how to do it in the book, um, you'll be able to set goals and crush them a lot more easily um, because you'll be disciplined. And I think that's probably the best way that you can approach it. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said in the book that supposedly you failed 5,126 times before becoming a billionaire. So tell us what we can learn from failure. There's so much to learn from failure. I think most people are afraid of failure, right? You look silly, you get embarrassed, people are going to laugh at you. But some of the greatest leaders uh, in society, some of the greatest actors, celebrities, sports heroes, all of them have failed. And I talk about them in the book. Everyone from Sylvester Stallone to Tyler Perry, Dolly Parton, Jim Carrey, um, and great entrepreneurs as well. And so the thing that you learn from failure is you get outside your comfort zone, right? You're willing to take chances. You're willing to be entrepreneurial. You're willing to maybe look silly that first time. But if you keep going at it and you keep trying, you'll learn so much about yourself, what you're good at, what you're not good at, how you can improve, what you can do better, and you'll see what works. So if you have the opportunity to fail, get outside your comfort zone, don't worry what other people think. Do what's right for you, mm-hmm. and, and I, it'll, it'll work out in the end. Preach. You mentioned um, happiness before, and that's yes. kind of a central theme throughout the book. Yes. What's one of your favorite ways to create happiness? I need help. 
so many ways to create happiness. First, come on the show. Mm -hmm. This is the number one thing you can do to create happiness and hang we out with people. We tell people. Yes, Thank it's, you. it's really what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, the second thing is consider changing Halloween earlier so you can get the <laughs> wow. one million okay. candy bars we talked about earlier. So here we go, <laughs> lemonade go, life. Exactly, Listen, lemonade I life. I have smothered people with a pillow on their head. <laughs> yeah. so. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> he looked at his own pillow yeah. like. One of the best things you can do is actually to practice gratitude. Mm. And what I mean by that, if you start your day off with gratitude, which is what so I do, real. and yeah. it, it is so real. When you wake up every morning, rather than jumping on your phone, checking email, checking social media, spend like 10 minutes writing down three things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Just take a step back, just, just you alone. Write down three things for which you're grateful, the blessings in your life. Could be your family, your friends, your job where you're gonna vacation, whatever's important to you, if you write down those three things for 10 minutes and then reflect on those three things for another five to 10 minutes, you start your day off right because you're setting the, the foundation for you to have and focus on what you have and what you don't have. Right. So many of us wake up and, and spend our days, oh, I wish I had that, I wish I had this house, I wish I had that car. Don't worry about those things. Focus on what you do have and then use that as a foundation mm -hmm. to expand and grow and capture greatness. Yeah. Gratitude journals, I think, have a, a profound effect. When they do, you actually Absolutely. use one consistently. Good, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. A psychic awesome. told me that. Psychic was right. <laughs> Serena Pendragon, she told me to be more grateful. Um, there you go. Why did you write The Lemonade Life? Did you watch Beyonce's Lemonade was like, I Th That's girl? exactly why I wrote The Lemonade yes. Life. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank yeah. you to Beyonce. We're going to report you now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, I think she would be very, uh, she would approve of this, I think. Yes. She would she, agree. She would approve of this. Um, I, I wrote The Lemonade Life really to inspire people um, and to motivate people to have a shot at greatness. You know, I really believe fundamentally that everyone has a shot at greatness. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, where you went to school, how much money you have, where you work, what you do for a living. Everyone has a shot at greatness. And I really wanted to offer people the skills, the practical advice, the actionable tips for everyone to get on their path to greatness no matter where they are in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it's really an uplifting, positive book about happiness, success, and most importantly, greatness. And how can companies and business leaders apply the central tenets of this book? There's so, there's so many ways. So any company, a leader, a CEO, a manager, you have to lead with purpose in your organizations. So inspire people, respect them, show empathy, lift people up in your organizations. Everyone has a job and no one wants to work for a boss that yells and shouts and puts them down. Like, put in a culture of recognition where you say, that's a great job. You know, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for contributing. Mm -hmm. Your skills are really valued. Mm -hmm. And so many times we never hear that, right? We get, like, we get our annual review and, you know, hey, some good things, some bad things. I think people need to empower people a lot more. Because people, at the end of the day, they want to feel loved. They want to feel happy. They want to feel included. Mm -hmm. I think if we can do that more in our organizations, we're going to have much better um, happiness at work. And then I also think that, you know, companies need to be at the forefront more technology, more innovation, more disruption. Um, you don't have to be a tech company to do that, whether you're a small business owner or you're a large company. The more you can be innovative and create and disrupt, you're also going to create an amazing opportunity for yourself professionally. Mm. That's, That's so exciting. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Lemonade Life is available starting tomorrow, August 6th, and that can be found wherever books are sold. That's all from us. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same table.